Well, hello there. It's another day. I'm Jim Harrington. And I am Bill Knight. It's almost to the weekend. Uh, are we going to have a budget shutdown this, uh, this weekend? I think I they came gonna... to some kind of a deal uh, yesterday. Something that, yeah, it'll stop it for a while. These guys just love to play their games, don't they, in, in Washington? Did you hear what happened? You know, the Democrats love to say that uh, the right is the, 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 the side with problems the side that has insurrections, things like that. But did you hear about what happened in D.C. yesterday? Maybe you're you talking about the hearings. Maybe you didn't. First of all, I'm going to play this little montage. Just this is these are all Democrats. Right. These are Democrats talking violence. Listen. I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. There needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there is unrest in our lives. you got to be ready to throw a punch. Well, you have to be ready to throw a punch. Donald Trump, I think you need to go back and, and punch him in the face. That I thought he should have punched him in the face. I feel like punching him. Like I'd like to take him behind the gym if I were in high school. If we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. No, I wish we were in high school I could take him behind the gym. I will go and take Trump out tonight. Take him out now. Okay. When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. Please, get up in the face of some Congress people. People will do what they do. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. We're going to go in there, we're going to impeach the well, this is just a warning to you Trumpers. Be careful. Walk lightly. And for those of you who are soldiers, make them pay. If you had to be stuck in an elevator with either President Trump, Mike Pence, or Jeff Sessions, who would it be? Does one of us have to come out alive? <laughs> okay, so those are all Democrats, and they have no problem talking about mm -hmm. violence against the right, okay? Uh, they actually kind of are enthusiastically involved. They love it. Uh, you know, uh, they like the idea that uh, that violence is a possibility. Well, let me say one thing, and anybody will remember know this, because we've all gone through school, and you had your bullies, and then you had the people that just sat there and said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And the person that won wasn't the bully. Go, yeah, I'm going to take him out back and knock the tarnation out <laughs> yeah, of Yeah, the Joe Bidens of the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Uh, but the person that sat there and won, with one punch knocked him out was the guy that went, or the gal that went, mm -hmm. Have you seen, mm -hmm. by the way, I'm just curious, uh, if you, television doesn't do him justice, but uh, President Trump is not a small man. He's a big guy. He's a big guy. Well, they they do Six. try to make him big. The, the the memes they try to make him a big fat guy. No, no, he's no. Not. He's about. He's I think big. he's about six three or six four. He's not a four six four. Well, he's probably down to six three because age, gravity has an effect on. Well, you. he's not a small guy, and I think Joe Biden, if he were to, uh, you see this scarecrow, uh, this doofus down in, in uh, Washington, I don't think there'd be much of a fight. But um, so yesterday. Last night in Washington, this, this is kind of shocking when you, when you hear the story. Uh, there was um, 
uh, well, I'll, I'll read the article. U.S. Capitol Police re- released a statement on Wednesday that a number of congressmen had to be evacuated from the area of the violent pro-Hamas protest on Capitol Hill. The violence mm. took place at the headquarters of the Democratic National Committee, located a few blocks south of the Capitol uh, on the House side, where uh, a DCCC fundraiser was taking place inside House office buildings. And anyway, it goes on. But the fact of the matter is, this wasn't uh, in front of the Republican headquarters. This was in front of the Democratic headquarters. As a matter of fact, Bill, here's a report from ABC. And as the president of the United States was facing protests at APEC, the headquarters of his Democratic Party endured their own protest back in Washington. After activists gathered right in front of the DNC demanding an immediate ceasefire in Gaza, the demonstrators reportedly trapped lawmakers and their staff until police arrived, breaking up the scene and setting up a face-off with protesters. Those protests this evening took place just days after a mass protest Israel protests descended on Washington and after more than 100 congressional staffers walked out of Capitol Hill demanding the administration call for a ceasefire. Okay, so they try to minimize this. I saw the video and it was mm-hmm. it was violent. It was uh, police and these protesters going at it and the police were being hit. The police were being pushed. Uh, mm-hmm. The protesters were being pepper sprayed. It was rock'em sock'em protesting in front of the uh, Democratic headquarters, but not one of these people, I guarantee you, not one of these people will be arrested for insurrection. And they, because, because mind you, even though it was in front of the DCC, these people were holding representatives hostage. Okay. They had to go rescue these representatives. The police did. So, there was fear that their lives were in danger, and yet there won't be any of these guys going to uh, the DCC gulag and spending two and a half years in prison. You know, no. I mean, they, well, they should. It, it's amazing. Uh, the double standards, as Chris Plant says, uh, he's a talk show host on WMAL in DC. He says, if it weren't for double standards, Democrats would have no standards at all. You well, know. at least they got standards. They're yep. lousy standards, and they're all one-sided, but they got standards. Yep. Uh, anyway, that uh, I thought you'd be interested. Uh, a, a little rioting. Of course, the media, what was interesting in her report, maybe people didn't catch it, but she made a comment like, uh, this coming d- only days after a major pro-Israel. No, no, no. Ma'am, it came one day after the pro-Israel uh, pro not demonstration it was a it was a rally. The, the this was a demonstration. This was a riot. What the pro Israel people had, the three hundred thousand people on the mall had, was a peaceful demonstration of support. There's a massive difference. Nobody was hurt. No bricks were thrown. No police were injured. It was just a, a kumbaya moment of a like-minded people. By the way, Bill, did you hear about the uh, the buses? The buses that were booked and chartered to bring... Oh, uh, the ghost buses. No, no, no. That's different. Oh, that's different. Okay. That's, that's good. We'll that's a whole different thing. Yeah. yeah. There were buses that were chartered by pro-Israel uh, supporters 
who were supposed to show up at this rally and these buses, I want to say it was in Michigan, there were like nine buses going to be filled with pro-Israel supporters. Uh, the bus drivers called a blue in uh, at the last minute and they didn't have any drivers. They were stuck on the tarmac at the airports for 11 hours and couldn't go to the demonstration because the bus company didn't have the drivers to drive them there. Other things going on in the in the news. You were going to talk about those ghost buses. Well, I don't Speaking have the story buses, in front of me, but well, I think I have the story here. Clay Higgins is a representative, and he's from, I believe, Texas. He was talking about well, the FBI director Ray, and Ray has done nothing but uh, deny and block. He's done that all the time. He's yeah, been he's doing that forever, he, but he got caught. He got he got caught. I'm going to let this run. It's about uh, five minutes long. But this is Representative Higgins talking with uh, Ray, the director of the FBI, who has done nothing but lie. You know, he has that look of an FBI director. Handsome guy, always neatly coiffed hair, looking at the camera with with intensity like he's an honest-to-God, honest man. But he's lying to the camera. Listen. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, ultimately as we consider threats to the homeland in our annual hearing on that topic with, with leading members of the executive branch before us. It's important to reflect upon the simple fact that ultimately Americans are quite capable of defending our own soil, our own cultures and communities against foreign invasion or against armed oppression from within. However, it's far more threatening to our republic if our own government facilitates criminal invasion, and it is incredibly threatening to our citizenry if our government's highest levels of law enforcement coordinate organized campaigns of weaponized oppression harassment, investigation, arrest and prosecution, and imprisonment of free Americans. That, Mr. Chairman, is the primary threat our homeland indeed faces today. Secretary Mayorkas, I've noted you as a worthy adversary, sir, for two and a half years, but my issue is not with you today. I'm done with you. I've completed my investigative work. It's quite extensive. I've filed my articles of impeachment against you, and I've, I've provided my investigative work to the appropriate committee. So let me just say that my articles have been filed, and my time with you is done. Director Ray. Last year, you might recall, sir, our exchange regarding the FBI's involvement on January 6th and prior. I'm happy to jog your memory to quote, according to the record, I ask you, did you have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters positioned inside the Capitol on January 6th prior to the doors being opened? You responded, I quote, again, I have to be very careful of what I say which I said, it should be a no. Can you not tell the American people, no, we did not have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters 
positioned inside the Capitol on January 6th. A year has passed. We sit here again a year later. We, the people, still do not have a definitive answer from you or anyone else in the Biden administration regarding the FBI presence and participation in the months leading up to the November election and in the weeks and days prior to January 6th and on January 6th here in D.C. We can't get a straight answer, although we have a tremendous amount of evidence harvested and reviewed over the course of the last year, which you will see in September, Stephen D'Artano, formerly in charge of the FBI's field office in Washington, D.C., testified to the House Judiciary Committee that he was aware the FBI informants would attend the Stop the Steal rally thrown on January 6th. You confirmed that the FBI had confidential human sources at the Stop the Steal rally on January 6th here in D.C., sir? Congressman, as we've discussed before, I'm not going to get into where we have or have not used confidential human sources. But what okay, I can we'll tell move you, on. you asked for a definitive answer. We'll move answer. on. It's my time. You said no, you're not going to answer. That's cool. We're watching. Mr. Chairman, may you're, I answer you're, the question? Your moment, your moment will come. This is my time. Earlier this year, an FBI informant who is reported to have, quote, his quote, under oath, March to the U.S. Capitol with fellow Proud Boys members on January 6th, close quote. He said he was communicating with his FBI handler while people were entering the U.S. Capitol. Can you confirm that the FBI had that sort of engagement with your own agents embedded within the crowd on January 6th? If you are asking whether the violence at the Capitol on January 6th was part of some operation orchestrated by FBI sources and or agents, the answer is emphatically You're saying not. no? No. You're saying no? Not okay. violence orchestrated Let's by FBI on. sources or agents. Are you familiar with, with, you know what a ghost vehicle is? Director, director of the FBI certainly should. You know what a ghost bus is? A ghost bus? Ghost bus. I'm not sure I've used that term before. Okay. It's pretty common in, in law enforcement. It's a vehicle that's, that's used for secret purposes. It's painted over. These two buses in the middle here, they were the first to arrive at Union Station on January 6th, 0500. I have all this evidence. I'm showing you a tip of this iceberg. Mr. Chairman. These two buses Mr. are Chairman. painted completely white. These buses are nefarious in nature and were filled with FBI informants dressed as Trump supporters you, and deployed you, onto our Capitol on January 6th. You made, your you day made is your, coming, Mr. Your point, Mr. What he was talking about were buses in a parking garage that they apparently brought these uh, protesters, these operatives. And you know what he says? If you think there were any uh, FBI agents that were operative, no, no, no. You could have had FBI informants. You could, you know, you're splitting hairs here, Christopher. You're splitting hairs. You know, we're not as dumb as we look. Well, here's the fact. Just after that, in that testimony, there was more evidence brought out of another set of pictures. Rolling on the road, those buses, white buses, all right? And they're like the little airport shuttle buses.
-hmm. but they were rolling with a police escort, and you know what they had on them? What? Antifa protesters that were showing up there. Of course. Absolutely. I believe that. You know, so, yeah, yeah, you know what? So, and now when he was talking, he might have gone a few seconds over and and the democrats yeah you're 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 you've used up all your time you've used up all your time and you know then you know the the person heading up that committee sat there and said yeah just go ahead and get to the point which he did Mm -hmm. but you know it's funny you know and they're making a big deal out of that and that's the news story in the mainstream news well he was told to shut up by his fellow republicans no they said yeah okay but make your point and let's move on because you know, the other side is having getting their, their, their shorts in a knot, and they were. And they well, do it all the time. Well, you I know, thought it make, was interesting was the last line of that whole speech where he says, where uh, your Hick, Hickens coming. says, your day is coming, Director Ray. Yeah. Your day is coming. <laughs> I thought, Whoa. Ray is a liar, and but what's, what you're seeing here are the Democrats getting in to sit there and cover something up. What are they covering up? What are they guilty yeah. of? Well, we know there was a, a meeting days before January 6th that had Schumer, Pelosi, Schiff, and uh, the evidence points that this was all, well, it's not just evidence, it's a fact, points all to where they had planned this quote-unquote insurrection. And in there, there's a, there, there, was, there was a conspiracy. There was uh, an insurrection. Mm-hmm. But it's not the insurrection that the tapestry is showing. Let's take a look at the painters of this insurrection. It wasn't Donald Trump. It wasn't the Republican Party. It was the Democrats. Because if you think back with a logical mind, I mean, take a few steps back and take a real good look, you'll look at that election going, well, you know, he didn't have anybody going out to his rallies. You know, the it just, how did that happen? And if you look at the map there were two sets of maps one that showed that it was a red wipeout that uh, you know there was like maybe one or two blue states and that was it mm-hmm. but somehow in the wee hours of the morning things changed well you know now, people a- out there now and i was thinking about this this morning bill the further we get away from the 2020 election the more uh the lie takes root the more the belief that nothing happened becomes the storyline. And, well, and it's not the case, folks, okay? You know, it, uh, if it was a lie in 2020, it doesn't become the truth in 2023. Well, I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. So let's just say that we proved there was no insurrection by Trump. What is that going to do? It's not going to change the outcome. We have an election coming up next year, so we kind of move on and go forward, right? I don't think that President Trump, if he wins by 50 million more votes than he had in 2020, I still think the other side will manipulate it so he loses. There's no way that they can let him win. When you hear Hillary talking uh, in interviews right now, and she's nervous because she's trying to tell you that if Trump uh, Trump becomes president, he'll be like a king. He'll be like a dictator. He'll be taking out... uh, Like her. Taking vengeance out on people who are against him. Like, by the way, like those are innocent people. Maybe those people he's going to go after 
are corrupt, evil, vindictive, traitorous people who deserve punishment. Right. Well, my point is, is that by, you know, with everything going on and little pieces of uh, the story are crumbling, but what's going to happen from it? Probably nothing. We're going to get up to the election, but we are focused on this story still, which means that they're going out and saying, okay, let's complete the steal again. And while they're focusing on that, we'll do this. A lot of people believe, and I'm not speaking conspiracy theory. There's a lot of honest, intelligent people. I'm not talking about, you know, people who are sitting downstairs in their basement who are just thinking these things up. There are some serious-minded political experts who have looked at everything and they know that there was some shenanigans here. Okay. It just, it, Absolutely. it just, it happened. There were also people who believe that there is a faction in our military who know that it was stolen. Mm-hmm. There's also a, the same faction also believes that the only way the masses will ever accept any kind of stop any kind of, uh, like, military intervention uh, would be they have to see and feel the corruption, okay? If they had done something immediately in 2020, the media would have been all over them like uh, it's a coup d'etat, it's an insurrection, it's a revolution, okay? All these things would have been uh, the narrative, and nobody would have believed it was a, a justified procedure. But cut to three, three and a half years later when the economy is down the drain, when we have terrorists who have come into the country over the southern border. And now we're, I'm afraid, friends, I I pray to God that I am wrong, but I'm afraid that there are going to, there's going to be some major terrorist attack on, on some faction of our country relatively soon. Could happen this weekend. Oh my God. If it happens, Bill, uh, then that will be the piece de resistance, as they would say. That would be the topping on the on the pudding. It would be it. Uh, I think things would change. Go ahead, Bill. You have something. Well, I was just going to say, and I'll tell you in a second what that is, and that's the fact that it could be going down today or getting set up for the weekend from something that's happening today. But what I was going to say, there's a term in real estate called filling the burn. So in you know, in connection to what you were just saying that. You have to let things develop and let things happen so people really see what's going on. It's called filling the burn. So you're taking a client out, and that client's going, no, I don't want to do this deal. I want it in my terms. All right, so you run them through several situations because they don't believe you what the market is. And then finally you're going, they they finally get fed up. And then, you know, the thing is you don't tell them, but they felt the burn. Now they know what it is. Yeah, they look around and they see all these Things that they they didn't even think about three and a half years ago. They oh, I'm glad Biden won. I'm a Democrat. Hey, what's happening with the football game this weekend? Well, wait a sec. Now, now they've been spending, you know, three times the amount of money they would spend for a gallon of gasoline. Now there are shortages on the food sh- uh, shelves in the grocery stores. There are all these different things that are having a direct, a direct impact on them. Mm-hmm. And they're starting to say, wait a second, this guy, he's a fraud. This guy in the White House, he lied to me. Wait a second, maybe 
Maybe he didn't win. Maybe he stole it. You know, I mean, there I, I've heard interviews with people who have expressed buyer's remorse. Right. Well, look at uh, what happened. I hate the guy. He's paper thin. Uh, Rogan. Uh, the Rock yeah. was on there, and Rock used to sit there and say, "Yeah, I got di- I got close friends that are Biden supporters." Yeah, he backtracked that yesterday. Well, I would, no, I was going to uh, play no. it, but Rogan he loves to throw the f bomb around like it's oh, nothing. Yeah, he's Mister F bomb. Yeah, and I, 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 we don't do that on this program, so no. I, I can't play it. But the Rock was on as a guest, and it's funny the guy who was the the uh, tempered, uh, you know, he non. Uh, uh, vulgar <laughs> person was The Rock. You know, you see The Rock on on uh, film, and you think oh, he's a tough guy who, uh, you know, probably but, would throw. The, he, but he doesn't talk that way. No, he doesn't. doesn't. He's no, no. I mean, you know, the 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 thing on screen, the thing when he was when he was wrestling, yeah, is all a persona. But the point is, he might have had friends that he threw out there that were Biden supporters and he was a Biden supporter, but he's feeling the burn. And now he's doing everything he can to distance himself. Well, but he said, I think the quote was, he said, I have friends who are Trump supporters and and I have friends who are Biden supporters. And then Rogan said, wait a second, you have friends who are Biden supporters. And then then the rock said, wait, 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 that was a good catch. I'm I'm sorry. Let me clarify that. Uh, He said, uh, I have friends who support the party. They support yeah. the party, the Democratic Party. He he backtracked on the Biden support, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Bill, um, I think that the only way that Trump is going to get back into office would be, I know this sounds crazy, it would be if, the, if there was proof positive and if the military were to say, all right, Here's the documentation. Here's all the information. We have waited on this. We've sat on this so that we we wanted to make certain that this is the case. This was a stolen election, and we take an oath to the Constitution, not to the presidency. And as, a, as oath keepers to the Constitution, we're required to protect that from corruption. And we've found that our investigation has proven that this administration is corrupt and that the, you know, the Trump administration were, were the actual victors. But even if that were to happen, by the way, I don't think they would just flip-flop it and put Trump in. I think it would be they would remove it. They would have some kind of uh, interim military uh, system that would keep the United States safe, secure, and running. You know, and because I also think they're going to find that there are corrupt congressmen, corrupt senators. I mean, it's this is... We are, well, for, let me give you an example. Uh, yesterday, they, they voted to have Rachel Levine. Rachel, Rachel yeah, Levine. the story right yeah. now. What happened was Marjorie Taylor Greene mm-hmm. made a proposal to cut back uh, Levine's salary to $1 a year because that's right. how much Rachel Levine is worth as uh, the assistant. Actually, less than that, he, he should be paying back or she should be paying us back. Right. So... That didn't pass. I think there were like 40-some Republicans who who sided with the Democrats to let him or her or whatever stay on. Now, this is the problem we have. There are people in our Congress who we think are on our side who aren't. 
It's as simple as that. It, it, and I think uh, Lara Logan, who I think the world of, I don't know her, but I think her, her philosophy, her investigations are honest. She's mm-hmm. incredibly honest. I love her honesty. Uh, and I'd love to have her, by the way, on our show. Lara, if you are interested in being on our show, we're going to give contact information out at the end of the program. We'd love to have you on as a guest because we have so many things we'd like to talk to you about. But she has said that uh, uh, she has talked about, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, honesty in government. And, right. and there's only one party. It's a uniparty. It's a uni- She says, honest to God, there's only one party in Washington. I think we've, we've said that before, too. We have. Yeah. We have said that. And, it's a clown and, show. Yeah. We think that there's two parties. But when push comes to shove and you expect our side to stand up and have a backbone, they just don't seem to have it. No. You know? Um, and then they all, by the way, they're all really good at, at posing in front of cameras. Their real job isn't doing our work in government. Their, their job is to sell themselves to us on camera. It's all optics and distractions all the time yep. while behind the scenes. Their real agenda is being played. What I was uh, referring to earlier, because mm-hmm. you said, yes, something is the, the, a shoe is about to drop when I, who knows? I, I saw an interesting article that came out yesterday that uh, we're going to have a major solar storm. I've been seeing this on and off for uh, about a week, and I'm going, what are they trying to tell us? And, you know, they, they go from like K1 to K9. This is a K7, maybe a little bit more. Oh, wow. What, what that means is, Today, the solar flares will wipe out communications. <laughs> conveniently. Conveniently wipe out communications. Is it solar flares? If, if we really have massive problems, is it solar flares or is something going on to be hidden? Because then I go back to the Christopher Ray story that we talked about. The one thing that I think that could possibly really screw up Ray is there were radio communications that went on during January 6th, all right, with mm-hmm. these buses and everything. Sure. Somewhere in some little room, cubby hold away, might be a liberal, might be a conservative, but, you know, he's going to be sitting there, a radio geek. Right. And they record everything, even because those two-way communications go to a, uh, go round robin to a master cell tower, and by the way, Everything the FBI does probably has backup tape, logger tapes, or logger recordings. Somewhere they things they they only leak things when they're convenient to them. Somebody somewhere has access to it, and I would encourage that person to say, "Oh, you want a leak? Yeah, here's a leak. Here's here's the problem. In my opinion, I think you're probably right. There's some geek out there who's recording everything in his basement, you know, on these different channels." And he's probably done it. This is this is his hobby, but when as soon as he tells somebody, uh, somebody, uh, a social uh, media friend of his, oh, I have the tapes of that. Oh, they'll come knocking. At his they'll door. be on his his front porch faster than you can say spit. <laughs> well, no, he's he, you got a blanket release. It is what you got to do, and somebody might go, oh, it's illegal to make those recordings. Actually, no, it's not. It's illegal to broadcast on frequencies you don't have a license to do that with or the authority to do it with, but everything that's out there over the airwaves is kind of like a public domain. So if you've got a receiver that can receive it as a hobby, you can record it. It's there. Yeah. 
Well, Bill, I I don't know whether getting back to the initial thing we were just talking about, I think President Trump has the votes and the pop. He has the the numbers to win in twenty twenty four, but nothing has changed as far as the system goes, and I think these people are emboldened to mm-hmm. to steal again because there have been no punishments. Nobody has had to pay a penalty for this theft, this corruption. So I think what they're going to say is, no, we, we can do it better in 2024, and we can even be more clandestine about doing it. We can cover it up even better than we did in 2020, and he'll lose. Don't worry. Don't worry about what the people vote. That's not important. We'll make sure that he doesn't get into office. That's yeah. the problem we have. Well, you know, if Adam Schiff doesn't win as senator, he's going to write a new book, The Art of the Steal. You know, like The Art of the Deal, The yeah. Art of the Steal, because that's what these guys are good at. They, yeah. they, yeah, that, that, that was shifty, a thin shi- joke. No, shifty shift. No, I know. I, I got it. Uh, it only, the only thing is, when you said it, it was meant as a joke, but it gave me shivers when I heard it. Uh, because, well, no, because I, yeah, they have he should be one of the these people the- going to jail. He should be one of these people. Shifty Shift is corrupt. He has been this way. Well, Do you remember when he, during, I think it was the first impeachment of Trump, he started reading something that was supposed to be a transcript and come yeah. to find out it was it was made up. It was a, essentially well, a, a fiction script that he had put together. Well, you look at the, uh, the January 6th thing, it was like a military tribunal, but it wasn't. It was a... It was a fabricated tribunal of sort. It but, was you know, a TV it, show. It was a TV show. Yeah. But, you know, with all the stuff that's going on, maybe we do need uh, the military to come in and take control, and we do tribunals and just sit there and take Democrats and Republicans alike and hold them accountable, and if they're guilty, guess what? And I heard, you know, I heard General Flynn say, Oh, we don't do those kind of things in this country. We the insurrections or this would not be an insurrection. This if this were to happen, folks, this would be the military doing exactly what it's charged to do: protect mm-hmm. the Constitution. Every single soldier who swears into service says they they will protect and defend both from enemies, both foreign and domestic. Did the Constitution. Do you ever think you'd live in a time where, you know, you even have to utter the words, you know, foreign and domestic? No. Enemies, but, but believe domestic. me, we've been le- we've been allowing so many people across the border, uh, military right. age strangers, uh, Iranians, uh, Ukrainians, Chinese. Chinese, yeah, we have Chinese illegals coming across the southern border. You know that they're not just taking a stroll north. They they have to come across via boat or airplane to get to uh, to Mexico to come across mm-hmm. the border. There's a whole plan for them. Trust me, it's just not uh, a casual uh, saunter up the hill to uh, to uh, the Rio Grande. Another thing happened I thought was interesting, Bill. This happened in England. Uh, BBC is like the big main broadcasting system in England. It has always been the dignified erudite uh, network, uh, actually respected around the world. This is the BBC. You know, I mean, just when you hear the words, 
the, the letters bounce off your speaker, you know that you're listening to the truth, except they can't be counted on it anymore. You're saying what? Well, I'm going to play for you uh, a report that they aired on the BBC shortly after the attack uh, on October 7th by uh, Hamas into Israel. And then the counterattack, I guess one of the first counterattacks by the uh, Israelis into Gaza. Listen to the report. At this moment, we are hearing from Reuters that is reporting that Israel, it says its forces are carrying out an operation against Hamas in Gaza's Al-Shifa hospital. And they are targeting people, including medical teams, as well as Arab speakers. Uh, they are also saying that Israel is calling on all Hamas operatives in the hospital to surrender at this point. Once again, we are hearing from Reuters that Israel says that its forces are carrying out an operation against Hamas in that hospital that we had just heard of. They are targeting is Arab speakers as well as some of the medical staff there. And they are asking all Hamas operatives in that hospital to surrender. Now, I know there's no accent there. She's probably on right. BBC America doing that report, or maybe she's one of their American reporters on the BBC. But that was the BBC report. Okay, that they said that Israel was targeting medical uh, medical workers and Arab-speaking people, right. okay? They were and, targeting you know, they've them. Used, they've well, used that narrative over and well, over again well, since October 7th. This, too, this came out the day before yesterday from the BBC. Mm -hmm. It's a, a little, it's short, but you got, listen. Now, uh, an apology from the BBC. A BBC News, uh, as it covered uh, initial reports that Israeli forces has entered Gaza's main hospital. We said that medical teams and Arab speakers were being targeted. This was incorrect and misquoted a Reuters report. We should have said IDF forces included medical teams and Arabic speakers for this operation. So we apologize for this error, which fell below our usual editorial standards. The correct version of events was broadcast minutes later. Of course it was. But do you hear what she said? Uh, the difference was the first report said they were targeting Arab-speaking people and medical workers. The, the corrected version was they were bringing uh, Arab-speaking people and medical workers to the area. There's a big difference between targeting mm. these people and bringing them in to help the uh, the enemy, which is what they essentially were doing. Do you know the, yeah. the, you know the British... It's one of the only, uh, I'm sorry, the Israelis are one of the only uh, medical, let me get this right. <laughs> the Israelis are bringing in medical supplies and incubators for the uh, the babies. Mind right. you, they're going in trying to find terrorists who are embedded in tunnels under the hospitals, but they're also in the process bringing in incubators for the little babies in that hospital that may need their help medically. You know, right. not too many invading armies bring incubators for babies uh, into uh, a war zone, but they're doing that now. Uh, the, the media is taking joy criticizing the Israelis and what they're doing. They will take every chance they can to criticize them. Oh, there should be a delay. Can you imagine if they had turned to George Bush after 9-11 uh, and said, oh, wait a second, before you go in and bomb uh, Baghdad, uh, there should be a delay. We should hold off. There was no delay. There was no hesitation. 
It was shock and awe. Remember that shock and awe? Mm. Bang! It was yep. done. And that and that. Uh, I thought we were too slow on response, but then again, too, you have to get your intel. I thought that was interesting, though. Uh, they did make a correction. You have to give them credit for that, but it was all very half-hearted. Very. Uh, we don't really want to have to say this, but we were wrong. <laughs> but with the BBC, and we do make corrections when we make that very infrequent mistake, you know. That's a long time. I don't even know why they even went bothered to do it after that much uh, water under the bridge. Yeah, well, that's... I'm sure they did some soul-searching. Do we really have to do a retraction? I think we should, yes. Do we really want to do it now? Of course. How about if we wait a month? You know, no. Anyway. Uh, another thing. People, people who need people. Barbara Streisand. I had to thread it in there, mm. right? Yeah, Barbara she Streisand. so well, too. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, Barbara has said that if Trump gets into office, she just can't stay in this country anymore. That's it. Didn't she say that before? Yeah, but she really means it this time. Oh, oh, Bob, okay. Barbara really, I mean, she may have said it in the past, but now she really means it. She was asked, well, where would you go? And she said, uh, probably uh, to England. I like England, she says. Uh, but she just can't stand Trump. Uh, she thinks that Biden's doing a pretty good job. He's a, uh, let me see what he, she says, I like Biden. I think he's done a good job. He's compassionate. He's smart. He supports the right things, which says to me that if I thought Barbara was stupid, that seals the deal for me. She's a, she's a, she may be talented, has a nice voice, but you know, we do this a lot in this country. We give entertainers so much deference, so much respect, just because they can do one thing well. I mean, if you had a, a dog and it could jump through a hoop over and over again, would you say that was the smartest dog in the world? Or would you say, well, that dog can do hoops really well. It can't fetch, cannot fetch. It can't do a lot of things. It can't sniff out dope in an airport, but it can really jump through hoops. But for some reason, we turn to actors and singers and we think, boy, they can sing that song really well. They must be brilliant. No, mm -hmm. they're not. I've Talented, met some. That's it. I've met some. You probably have met some, Bill, in your life, uh, personally, uh, and uh, they've always been a disappointment. Sometimes the actors, you, when you meet them, some of these actors are so good on camera or so good on stage, and then when you meet them and they have to talk for themselves, there's nothing to say. It's like... Well, it, you know, the old adage is less is more, you know, so maybe, you know, somebody that's kind of a bland, boring person... You know, the camera makes them look bigger than life. But know, I, I think I think when they're when they're doing a part that they're, they're they're doing something else. They're doing somebody else. They're portraying. Yeah. They're not being themselves. They're they're you know they're being courageous. They're being the, the tough guy. You know how many tough guys have you met? Uh, have you seen from movies and stuff? Who, when you meet him, you find out well, he's not too tough. He's he's kind of a wimp. Uh, and, oh, and, what's our our buddy? De Niro? Robert De Niro? I, I was wondering when you said our buddy. I, I don't know Robert De Niro, oh, yeah. but he always sounds like he's the tough guy. And I Isn't he know. the one that just lost that case in New York for... Uh, $2 million, I think. Yeah, yeah, because of uh, discrimination. Yeah, you know? kind, kind of a, a strange case. I don't know enough about it to talk about. Maybe you know more about it than no, I do. No, I, I don't know that much about it, but the point is, is that you know here's this guy that's touting all of this stuff,
and he's guilty of kind of some of the stuff that he's, you know, thumbing his nose at Trump about. And I'm like going, oh, there you go. There's a nice how do you do when a, you know, a screaming liberal, liberal gets taken down by another screaming bunch of liberals. You know, um, Carl Higby had a guest on his program. By the way, Carl Higby, I think, was a Navy SEAL. And mm-hmm. when I first switched over to Newsmax after Fox proved themselves to be the wolf in sheep's clothing that they were, that they disappointed me terribly uh, during the 2020 election, and they've maintained that disappointment throughout the past three and a half, uh, three years. Carl Higby, when I first tuned him in, he was kind of new at doing, he was filling in on talk shows, and he was kind of amateurish. He hadn't really done it. This guy, over the last two and a half, three years, I've never seen, he. what a quick study. He has turned from being um, the amateur to being really good at what he does. He has found a personality, he's found a style, and he has a confidence, and all those things together make for a good talk show. He's on at 5 o'clock, I believe, uh, that's the time, 5 o'clock on Newsmax, and uh, he's worth watching. He grows on you. He's a, na- he's a former Navy SEAL. He knows about the military. He talks articulate. He can talk to a general or an admiral, and he has no problem. They all he talks their language. He talks to politicians. He has a terrific personality, and he does his homework. But I I, I only say it because so many times you watch somebody and they just never progress. This young man has gone from being like a deer in headlights to being a professional on camera and a personality, and he's fun to watch. But anyway, enough of that. I don't. I'm not his manager, and I didn't get paid for saying that. Uh, Carl Higby was on with uh, a retired general, Blaine Holt. They were talking about uh, Iran and the threat that Iran poses in the Middle East, and what they're doing by supplying all these weapons and monies to these terrorist groups. You know, and they're they're bombing our our sites around Syria and Iraq and places like that. And some of our boys, by the way, are being injured. Yes, they are, but they don't talk about it because. The Biden administration doesn't want you to know. Here's how it went. If you launch a rocket at the United States of America or any of our installations globally, I will turn a section of your country into a six-foot-thick sheet of glass. What is wrong with that? Yeah, I would take a softer approach. Half your Navy might be good to dispense with. Or let's re-invoke the sanctions on Iran. Or let's go ahead and take them out of business in any of their other dealings. Let's not pay them $6 billion for five people. And then maybe we'll start to send a message that we're not going to take attacks on our bases. We have to let our commanders defend themselves. Mm -hmm. And what we have to do now is start to project the strength that we lost in Afghanistan, a deterrable war in Ukraine. And now here we are with a, a war that should be confined to a country, could go regional, could go global. Yeah, exactly. Well, but at the same time, like, we have the ability. Why are we just twiddling our fingers? That's a great question. I don't, I'd like him to explain that to the American people. I think we deserve an answer. We're putting our sons and daughters and parents and things like that over in Iraq and Syria at risk. And we're leaving, we're leaving them undefended, really, yeah. or by our will. We're, we have the assets to do it. We lack the will to do it right now. So if you're not going to do it, 
maybe we should reassess why we're there, maybe bring them home. Or, or maybe those people should go work at Starbucks. I want to take you a listen to what John Kirby, who is like the worst guy in the world at this, he had to say when he was asked about U.S. troops facing further attacks from these proxy groups. Look at this. It is not uncommon after we take a retaliatory strike for there to, to, to be some sort of uh, 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 secondary set of strikes by these proxy groups. Why don't we just eliminate the entire area those strikes came from and then they won't be a secondary strike. Exactly. This is about cost and position. Yeah. So if we're going to get hit, you don't hit back with an empty uh, warehouse that's got a few bullets and a dog named Rex in it. What you do is you go make a cost and position on who actually attacked you, which is really Iran. Or you decide to reassess whether your forces should even be there, to Darren's point. And, and if they're not there for a good military reason, let's go back to the 241 Marines killed in 1983. They didn't have a mission. Right. right now, we've got a war in search of a strategy, and we don't have the strategy. Uh, so that's where we are imperiling our forces. That's a, actually a really good point. But the, the bigger problem here, as I see, is it's like we're idling. It's there's, there's no like as a seal, we'd go in and we'd expel a massive amount of firepower and resources in a very short time period because we're a very small group. But we would overwhelm the enemy. Is it time? Like, look, I don't want to go to war, but to stop one, you might have to kill some bad guys. Yes, war sometimes is an unfortunate reality and a necessity when the other side is. That's the only language they speak is force. Yeah. So if you're going to speak their language, you better do it overwhelmingly so it can so it's heard and not misunderstood in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, well, General, this is more geopolitical, but we have a map of the Arab world. Okay, so if we can put that up, the Arab world is comprised of a huge swath, all there in yellow. And if you can zoom into that middle part, just upside of Jordan, where it says Israel, that is the only area in the entire Middle East that enjoys some version of freedom, democracy, and, and a reasonable protection for their citizens and not, uh, you know, fundamentalist Muslim principles. And yet they're saying that that's encroaching on the entire Muslim world? That's exactly right. And they're an ally of the United States that we should not be deliberating our policies in public on when we debate them. What we should be doing is standing by our ally. Uh, the Eastern Med right now is made up of 50 warships from 11 separate countries. And, and here we are trying to limit what their military activities are, potentially upsetting uh, and, and interfering in Israeli politics. Yeah, mm -hmm. but, but Colonel, the, the Biden administration, they're being warned by you know U.S. diplomats in the Arab world that Biden's support for Israel and military campaigns is, quote, losing us Arab politics or publics for a generation. Who cares? Right. Well, yeah, that's the first thing. Who cares? And second of all, the Israelis have heard this many times. Let's go to 48, 1948, 1956, yeah. 67, 73. Every single time the Israelis crush their enemies. Yeah. They're told, hey, go back to your original boundaries and let's settle this thing peacefully. Yeah. Next time we promise we'll fix this. And Ukraine, real quick before I let you go. Mm -hmm. You know, we're tie a bunch of Democrats want to tie aid to Israel in agreements, you know, in conjunction with a ceasefire. What about a ceasefire in Ukraine? Like nobody's calling for that. Nobody's ever called for that, and there's never been one ounce of diplomacy. Especially not Lockheed Martin. <laughs> no, not Lockheed Martin. And there hasn't been one ounce of diplomacy yeah. about conflict cessation the entire time, and yet it drags on. We have a World War One battlefield, and they just want more money to keep it going. Yeah, well, that's what seems. The, the, our people in Washington measure success by how much money they have torched to get it there. Right. <laughs> General Paul Darren Gobb, appreciate you being here, about Great, yeah, thanks. Good uh, conversation. That's uh, Carl yeah, Higby and Blaine Holt, a retired general, talking about uh, the Middle East and Iran. And uh, it was interesting. He says nobody's called for any ceasefire in the Ukraine. No, no, they haven't. No. It's it's not politically correct to do that. But uh, they're, they're jumping all over a ceasefire in, 
in Gaza. Uh, it, it, it's amazing, and uh, I think that Israel has the right approach. What I also find amazing, Bill, is how the left is quick. They're trying to criticize Benjamin Netanyahu. Well, will you take the blame for doing? She, I, we played an interview. Was it yesterday? I think we did. We had an interview from from uh, Dana Bash talking with uh, Benjamin Netanyahu over the weekend, and she was trying to get uh, Netanyahu to address uh, whether he would take uh, take the fall, take the blame for the whole thing happening. Uh, and he said that's for another time. Right now we're we're fighting a war and we have to be unified, you know. But she, instead of talking about the real issues, she wanted a gotcha moment where she could go after Netanyahu. Now, I know there are critics of Netanyahu. I know there are people who say he dropped the ball. They should have been on that, uh, that border so that they would have known those, those invaders were coming in. And I happen mm-hmm. to agree that was a mistake. But, you know, in the same breath, you know, George Bush, he shouldn't have been just down in an elementary school reading a, a nursery rhyme to students while planes were flying into the towers in New York either. But he was right. He, we should have known about those things happening. We had, you know, we had these, uh, we had these terrorists who were in the United States who were taking lessons in flight schools. All they were learning, all they wanted to learn was how to take off, how to take off. They didn't care about learning about landing. So help me God, this is a true story. Oh no, I was down in Florida. They took the lessons. Yeah, they I believe it was. They didn't want. They didn't think it was important to learn about. Uh, landing because they just want the most important thing for them was getting off the ground. Amazing. And, uh, somebody in that flight school should have told somebody, Hey, wait a second. We got some guys here. I don't know where they're from, but they're not, they're not talking about, uh, landing the planes that we're teaching them how to fly. They want to just know how to take off and fly in the air, fly in the air and navigate towards wherever it is they're going. And that's, you can learn that in a few days. It's sad. Uh, you know, we talk about the border and the invasion of the southern border continues with literally no end in sight, thanks to the Biden regime. Earlier on Wednesday, yesterday, a large group of illegal aliens crossed the Rio Grande into Eagle Pass, Texas. That place has got to look like a war zone. They've been going through Eagle Pass for the last year and a half. Uh, anyway, uh, what's the Border Patrol doing? Yeah, not much of anything. They're, they're being told to essentially stand down or greet them and t- take these people to a bus so they can be shipped around the country. And by the way, once we ship them, like to New York, have you seen pictures of... I used to walk by the Roosevelt Hotel every day. I used to come in Grand Central Terminal when I worked in New York. I would come up the Vanderbilt Avenue uh, exit, walk across the street. The Roosevelt Hotel was on Fifth Avenue, mm-hmm. but it was between Grand Central Station and Fifth Avenue. You walk right by it. It was gorgeous. had beautiful brass awnings, and it was, it was just a, a glorious-looking hotel. Now it's not that. It's like a, it's like a badly-kept dormitory. Lines of illegals stretching around blocks. Uh, it's people sitting on the, the curb. They've just destroyed this beautiful hotel. I I don't know what they're going to do with that. After these people stop living, and if, if they ever do, I don't know what they're going to do afterwards with the, with these hotels. I mean, will, will they tear them down and put something else up in its place? Will they refurbish it? I, I don't know. Uh, 
it, it's it's sad. But anyway, uh, you have you got anything more you want to add before we uh, wrap this uh, this little program um, up? I just saw Biden's numbers. They're down. They're plummeting over his handling of the uh, Israel Hamas thing. Imagine that. Yeah, that his, his numbers are down. His bite. His numbers have been sloppy. Don't you think for for a long time it doesn't seem to bother him? You know, they he doesn't believe to him. go down. Chris, of course, Chris Christie. His numbers are down. He's got one percent. He goes, yeah, maybe I should drop out. Of course, uh, he uh, he was kidding about that. He's yeah, like, yeah. No, Chris, you really should drop out. So there's a guy who had stomach reduction surgery, I believe, and it didn't work. Um, hockey player, you know, the hockey player that uh, lifted his right leg. I think it was in a NHL related league. It's like a minor league to the NHL and they play in England and Europe and stuff like that. Anyway, this happened a couple of weeks ago in the course of a game. Uh, one guy fell down. Another guy literally slid into him with his leg raised, caught him in the throat and killed him, sliced him open like he was yeah, hit by a sword. That, yeah. Now they arrested the guy who did the throat slashing on manslaughter in England. All the uh, hockey games that are played around the world, it's just mind-boggling to think that this would have happened because who the heck does that without intent? If you saw, I saw him do it. I saw mm-hmm. him. He it, 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 it did look like he raised his leg into the guy's neck. It didn't right. look. It didn't look accidental. Usually, when you when you fall on down, if you're a professional hockey player, you're you're somewhat aware of where those blades are. You know, you're not throwing them around like they're, you know, you, you, you know, like you're falling down a flight of stairs. But this guy seemed to kind of raise it with intent. So, uh, and I guess I'm not yeah, the only. person I have not seen those. the video on that. I know the story that you're talking yeah. about, and. I do find it odd, but I, you know, who am I to judge on something like that? But I would, I would question it wholeheartedly a lot. Now. Anyway, a lot to talk about. We missed. Uh, we still have more stories, but the time on yeah. on the wall has run out. The time on the clock on the wall has run out. If you want to contact us, our number is 833-538-7868. Mail at itsanotherday.com. Mail at jimandbill.com and uh, Jim and Bill at mail. Dot com. So there you go. You got it uh, three ways from Sunday there, I believe. Yeah, I think you do. Or Monday, for that matter. Yeah, is it? Yeah, or Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, yeah. Thursday, and Friday. Uh, and Saturday. Of course, it's that time where people gather around their radio like they do most every day because it's a very family moment when people, they sit around the radio, listen a little closer to hear one Mr. Bill Knight say, Hasta la vista, baby. We're out of here. The Voice of Freedom, CRN America. These days, when you want an answer about just about anything, you ask Alexa. You ask her about the weather. You ask her who won your favorite sporting event. You ask her to find a fact that you can't find anywhere. Well, we did that too. We asked her how many people have downloaded itsanotherday.com. And this is what she said. From acceleration.com. It has been downloaded as much as 260,433,467 times. I know. Seems like a lot. Seems like a lot to us, too. But it's Alexa. Thanks for making us a part of your day. And tell your friends about itsanotherday.com. We could use an extra listener. I mean, 
What do you do when you only have $260 million? 